If you have your Bible today, I'd like you to open with me to the Gospel according to Luke. We will be in Luke chapter 24, and we will be in reading in verse 1. Luke chapter 24 and verse 1. And today, as you no doubt know, we have the privilege of celebrating uh, the resurrection of Christ from the dead. That's why, the, that's, that's why we meet on Sundays. That's why we're uh, celebrating today. That's why we are, uh, are setting aside this time is to specifically remember Christ's resurrection from the dead. Now, if you have followed along in our study, you know the last couple of weeks have been kind of, kind of dark by the time that we got to the end of them. Uh, two weeks ago... We read that Jesus was betrayed by Judas, one of his, one of his disciples out in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was arrested and, and they began to abuse him and mock him. Last week, whenever we, uh, whenever we closed out the service, Jesus was dead and buried. He died on the cross, uh, suffered for the sins of his people, was buried, and, uh, and, and at the end of the service, there he was in the grave. But thank God he didn't stay in the grave. And that's what we're going to read, out, read about today, starting in verse 1 in just a moment. Now, the, the, the resurrection is the culmination of the Christian faith. Understand that. The, the, the resurrection is the, is the apex, it's the pinnacle of our faith. And, and, and it's, it's the bedrock upon which our whole faith stands. And without the resurrection, we don't have Christianity. We don't have a faith. And, and, and beyond that, we don't have salvation. And so, uh, uh, anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. So if you found Luke 24 and you're able to, I'd like you to stand in honor of God's Word. We're going to pick up in verse 1 and read about that, that, uh, that first Easter morning. It says, But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. Now these are the women who had followed him out of Galilee that we read about at the end of, at the end of chapter 23. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothing. And as the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words, and returned from the tomb, and reported all these things to the eleven and all the rest. <coughs> now they were Mary Magdalene, and Joanna, and Mary the mother of James. Also the other women with them were telling these things to the, to the apostles. <coughs> Excuse me. But these words appeared to them as nonsense, and they would not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings only, and he went away to his home, marveling at what had happened. Thank you. you may be seated. The things I want you to see in our text today, the first are the perplexed women. The perplexed women. Now, chapter 23 ended on Friday evening. Good Friday is what we call it. Remember, Jesus was, was crucified on Friday. They had taken him down off the cross. Um, his, his friends had abandoned him. They deserted him. Uh, uh, Peter, one of his closest followers, had denied him. And, uh, and Jesus' body was on the tree there. And so Joseph of Arimathea, one of the, one of the members of the Sanhedrin, who had uh, they condemned Jesus to die, Joseph had not consented to what they had wanted to do, but he and Nicodemus, you remember from John chapter 3, uh, the whole conversation with Jesus came to him by night, you must be born again, and so forth. 
Joseph and Nicodemus went and got the body of Jesus and they buried it in Joseph's tomb. Now, because the, the Sabbath, which started on Friday evening, was quickly approaching, they had to wrap his body in the linen wrappings and, and spices and stuff and care for his body the best they could. But it was a rush job, and so they didn't, they didn't have time to take care of it like they wanted. And so that all, that all happened on Friday evening. Um, the, the women who followed him out of, out of Galilee had seen where his body was laid, and so they went and began to prepare spices to anoint his body and take care of it. <clears throat> The way it really needed to be done. So the Sabbath happens on, on, it starts on Friday evening, goes through Saturday, ends Saturday evening. Of course, they can't go out to the tomb at night <coughs> because it's dark. They don't have incandescent lights like we do. And so they waited till Sunday morning, and at early dawn, the Bible says, they went out to anoint the body of Jesus. And they begin to make their way out to the tomb. And I want you to, to notice why they went to the tomb. They went as a sign of respect. They went to anoint the body of Jesus. They, they went to wrap his body in the linen wrappings to, to, to put some more spices and things in there. And it, it, was, a, it was a way of, of paying last respects. Kind of like today, we go to um, you know, a, a, the, the visitation. We go to the funeral. You might take flowers to a grave. You do that as a sign of respect, as a, as a sign of affection, even though the person's not there to observe it. It's, it's just a way for you to say, I love you, I'm thinking about you, and so forth. So these women are doing that as a sign of respect to Jesus, even though uh, they, they didn't expect him, they, they expected him to be dead. That's the whole reason they went. They didn't go to welcome him back. They went with spices because they believed that he was still going to be dead. Now, <clears throat> this is not unique to the women. The other disciples didn't understand that Jesus would rise again either. They thought that he was going to stay dead. And so, so, so look at, look at uh, the text and what it says. When they got to the tomb, in, uh, in verse 2, they found a peculiar sight. The stone was rolled away from the tomb. Of course, the stone was the great big rock they put over the mouth of the tomb. It, it served as kind of a, a door. Because remember, the, the tombs are not like we have today with a hole in the ground. But rather, this was a, a, a tomb that was carved out of like the, a, a solid rock wall, basically. It was, it was kind of like a cave. And so they rolled this heavy stone in front of the tomb. And these women went there, and they found that the, the stone rolled away. Now, we know from Matthew's gospel that men didn't do this, but an angel of the Lord had descended and rolled away the stone. He didn't do that so Jesus could get out, but the, 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 so that people could get in and see the tomb was empty. Now, they get there, and what did they find? They found a whole bunch of nothing. They found a whole bunch of nothing because Jesus' body was not there. Now verse 4, if you'll notice, it says they were perplexed about this. Now the word that's used, that's translated as perplexed has the idea of being at a loss. It, it means they were scratching their heads. It means they were, they, they were not understanding what they were seeing. It would be kind of like if I were to study trigonometry, I'd be, I'd be perplexed. I'd be scratching my head. It, it wouldn't make any sense to me. It'd be like an ant trying to understand astrophysics. It doesn't make any sense. So these women get there, and they find the empty tomb, and they are scratching their heads because they, they believed, they saw Jesus die on the cross. They believed his body would still be there. And the reason, as I said before, is because they were looking for a dead Jesus. And listen, you can go to the tomb today, and, and you can look for a dead Jesus. You're going to be perplexed like them because he ain't there. And so the next thing I want you to see, not only are the perplexed women, next I want you to see the baffled angels. The baffled angels. So these women are standing there, 
Verse 3, they're staying in, in, this, in this cave. Remember, it's still dark outside. Just, I mean, dawn's just starting to break. It's, it's, still, it's still dark. They're inside a cave, so it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty hard to see. And they're saying they're, they're looking around. They, they don't have a cell phone. You know, I don't, I don't know what I did before I had a cell phone. Because I, can, I, can, I turn my flashlight on all the time. Well, they didn't have that. They didn't have a light switch. They didn't have any of that. And so they're looking around trying to find the body of Christ. They're saying they're whispering to each other, trying to figure out what's happening. Hey, do, hey I don't see him over here. Do you see him over there? What, what happened? I, I remember they laid him right out here in the middle. Where's he at? I don't know. Well, I wonder if it's because the stones rolled away. And they're discussing, trying to figure out what's happening. And then suddenly, in, uh, in, in verse 4, suddenly these two men appear out of the blue, and they terrify the women. Now, these are not two ordinary men. These verses imply it, but verse, uh, verse 23 explicitly says it later. These are angels. Now, I want you to look at verse 4, how, they're, how they are described. It says that they have dazzling clothing. Now, that does not mean that their clothes are bejeweled. It means that they are luminescent. What it means is, uh, the, the, the word that's translated as dazzling has the idea of, of like lightning. You know, sometimes you're driving along and lightning's flashed in the sky, there's a storm, and sometimes it's like, whoo, that's bright. That's the, that's the idea. This, the, these angels, they, are, they, they literally light up the cave in which they're standing. And these women, I mean, I mean just imagine you're standing there, it's pitch black, you're standing in the middle of a, of, a, of a tomb, and all of a sudden this light bursts out of nowhere. And it's coming from two men who were not there just a moment before. And it, it terrified them. They bowed to their, face, their faces to the ground, and the men said, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? And I think their, their question shows how baffled they are. They say, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. And church, if there's ever time to say amen, that's the spot. Amen. Yes, that's he is not here. He is risen. All right, we'll do it again. So, um, but 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 their incredulity just shows through, doesn't it? I mean, these men can't believe. They're like, "Why are you here, of all places? You're looking for a dead man in a dead spot. He's living. You don't look for the living among the dead." If I, if I want to go meet somebody, I don't go to a, a graveyard to do it. I don't go to a cemetery to, to try and meet somebody. He is, he is alive forevermore. But this angel's question, it, 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 behind the angel's question really is this recognition that yes, Jesus submitted to death for a time, but he couldn't be bound by it. Peter said that in, in his sermon at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. He said that, that it was impossible for him to be held in death's power. Now, 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 Christ's bodily resurrection from the dead is the crux. It is the, it is the pinnacle. It is the focus of the Christian faith. It is not incidental to the faith. It is fundamental to the faith. It is essential to the faith. It's not a peripheral doctrine that is like, well, I can believe that or not and be, still be okay. The resurrection is so central to the Christian faith that if you don't believe it, you, you're not saved. If you don't believe in the resurrection, you're not a Christian. And understand, I'm not talking about simply being part of a certain faith tradition. I mean, apart, I don't don't know how I can say this any plainer, Uh, apart from the resurrection, you will not go to heaven. If you don't believe in the resurrection, you're not saved. You're not right with God. Your sins have not been forgiven. 
despite all your efforts, despite all your machinations, despite all your charity, despite all your good works, despite all the money you give, none of that will get you to heaven. 1 Corinthians 15, 17, Paul says, And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless, you are still in your sins. His resurrection shows he was innocent, and he bore the penalty for somebody else. And so death had no power over him, and God had accepted his sacrifice. And I just want to ask you today, do you believe in the resurrection? Because if you don't, you are not going to heaven. You are not going to heaven. Are you today trusting in Christ and what he did on the cross and his, and, and his, his, his victory over death? If you are, if you're trusting in that and what he's done on the cross, you will go to heaven. You say, well, now I just have some questions. Questions are fine, but let me ask you, are those questions, are those, are those objections, are those things that give you hesitation, are those worth basing your eternity on those things? Listen, trust Christ for salvation from sin. There is no other way. Now the angels continued. They didn't just say, well, he's not here, he's risen. Look at verse 6. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee. He said, I'm going to be betrayed into the hands of sinful men. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to die. I'm going to be buried and rise again. He told them beforehand it was going to happen. And they didn't get it. But once the angel said, they were like, oh, yeah. Hey, you remember that time? And we were kind of scratching our heads. We didn't understand what he was saying. Now it all makes sense. And then, verses uh, 8 and 9 they remembered his words, and then they returned from the tomb and told the disciples. So we have the perplexed women, the baffled angels. Finally, I want you to see the disbelieving disciples. The disbelieving disciples. So they go off, uh, verse 9, and they report to the disciples all this, all this stuff that's happened. And not, and not just the apostles, not just the eleven. You remember Judas was, was dead at this point. He had went out and hanged himself. So there are the 11 apostles, Peter's with them, but there's also a, a, a group of other followers of Christ, and they're all there too, they're mourning, they're hiding, they're doing all these things, and these women show up and they start to tell these, these people all the stuff that's happened. Now Luke names some of them, and if, if you'll notice verse 10 and following, he names a few, Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James, also the other women uh, with them were telling these things to the apostles. These women were mentioned by name in Luke chapter 8. Because what had happened in Luke chapter 8 is some women started to follow Jesus. And they were devoted to him and they followed him all over the place. And we tend to think just of the, just of the 12 that followed Jesus. But also these women went along and the Bible says in, in Luke chapter 8 that they were supporting him out of their personal means. They were giving money to support his work. And they were devoted to him. We see them traveling around with Christ. We see them at the cross whenever he was crucified. We see them following Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus as they took care of the body. And we see these women at the tomb. These women were devoted. And listen, there are a lot of devoted women, and I'm thankful for each of them. But they were devoted to Christ. So these women were people that the apostles knew. They were trusted. They were trustworthy. The, the apostles knew that. But I want you to notice... Their response. Even though the apostles should have believed. Even though Jesus himself had told them numerous times, this is going to happen. I'm going to die on the cross. I'm going to be buried. I'm going to rise again. He had told them that numerous times. Even though the women were 
onto these apostles, even though the women were trustworthy in their testimony, even, even given all those things, verse 11, it says, But these words appeared to them as nonsense, and they would not believe them. Now, the word that translates as nonsense is only found one time in the Bible, and this is it. But it's found elsewhere in medical literature from the time. And it's used to speak of uh, crazy rantings. It's, it's used to speak of crazy talk. It's, as somebody's called it, wild delirium. So you think about somebody maybe you visited in the hospital and they've had a real high fever. Or maybe they're on some sort of pain medication and they are saying all kinds of just woo. I mean, sometimes you talk to people and it's like, man, what are you, what are you on, right? That's the way it seemed to these women or to these men. These women came in saying all this stuff and they're like, man, these women are crazy. It's, it, and they wouldn't believe in other words, they, they thought it sounded like these women had lost their minds. And it's not, that they, it's not that the news was so wonderful they couldn't believe it. It's not that they were amazed. Luke says specifically they would not, verse 11, would not believe them. Mark 16, 11 says they refused to believe them. Despite all the evidence to the contrary, despite reliable testimony, they refused to believe. They, they closed off their ears. However... Verse 12, Peter got up, and he went to check it out. He does, Luke doesn't record this, but John went with him. You remember, John records it. They went running together. John got there first. Peter goes, and he checks it out, and he goes in, and he sees the linen wrappings still lying there. And that seems like a small detail, but that's a big clue that the body of Jesus was not stolen. Because if, if you have a body that's all wrapped up, in, in linen cloth, and, and you're stealing the body for, for whatever purposes. And remember, there's an armed guard outside the tomb. If you're, if you're taking that body, you're taking the wrappings with you. You're saying the whole thing, so you're not caught. You're getting in and out as quickly as possible. You pick it up, and you're like, okay, well, we got it. We'll just take care of all the wrappings later. But these wrappings were all left in there. So the, the enemies of Christ certainly aren't doing it because... Number one, that would give the apostles uh, a reason to say, oh, Jesus rose from the dead, His, the, the grave is empty, so they're not going to do it. And even if they would have, they wouldn't have snuck in and taken all the wrappings off. And the friends of Christ certainly wouldn't do it, because what purpose would it have served to leave the wrappings lying there? It, it, it doesn't make any sense. So these wrappings are lying there. Peter sees it, and he goes away scratching his head. The, the Bible says he went home marveling at what had happened. He didn't understand. He didn't quite have what, what you might call an Easter faith. But it was starting. It was beginning. And it may be that you find yourself in the same boat. Maybe you're not to the Easter faith yet. But it started. You see the claims of Christ. You see the empty tomb. You see the miracles of Jesus. You see you have friends, relatives, who testify. They're reliable. And they testify about what God's done in their life, and, and you're starting to come around. Listen, don't close your ears off to it. Don't be like the apostles who, who had all this testimony and they closed their ears. They, they, they closed their ears and said, I, I, I'm not listening to you. That's crazy talk. And wouldn't even consider it. Honestly investigate and consider the evidence. What happened to the body? Now listen, I don't know if this ever happens to you, but I've noticed that a lot of times, 
if Christianity is talked about in popular culture, whether it be shows or, or whatever it is, it's never in a positive light. And it gets kind of old. And it starts to kind of work its way into your mind. And, and I've noticed sometimes it's like, well, am, you know, that person sure is, sure is adamant Christianity is not true. So then I, I think to myself, okay, well, what evidence is there that Christ rose from the dead? Well, number one, the tomb's empty. What happened? And that's one of the things that I keep coming back to. What happened to make the tomb empty? Because even Christ's enemies at the time recognized the tomb was empty. How to get that way? That's what, that is something that you have to deal with. How did the tomb get empty? I'll tell you how. Jesus rose from the dead. He is alive. He, he, is, he is alive forevermore. He is the living one. Don't seek for him among the dead. You can go out and look for any other religious leader. You're going to find their tombs. Their bodies have been laying, moldering in the grave. But you won't find Jesus' body because he is alive. His grave is empty for a reason. He only needed it for the weekend. Jesus is alive. He broke the power of death. He overcame the grave. He rose again. And because he rose again, one day, you as his follower will rise again too. And you will live with him in eternity, in heaven, forever. But listen, if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, that is not you. You will rise again, but you will spend eternity separated from God in hell. And I don't want that to happen to anybody. Because the, the whole point of Easter... The whole point of the gospel is that Jesus, the sinless one, took on the sins of all those who had trust in him and paid the penalty for that sin on the cross. And now anybody who had put their faith in Christ, each and every one will have those sins forgiven because Jesus paid it all. He has paid the penalty for your sin. And if you will but trust in him and what he did on the cross in your, in your place... And he rose from the dead. If you will put your faith in him, you will have your sins forgiven. You'll be made right with God. Not only will, will all the bad stuff you've done be wiped out, the penalty for it, all the good stuff that Christ did will be credited to your account. It's a, it's a wonderful transaction. One that we don't deserve. But that's the whole point of Easter. That's the whole point of the gospel. And if you have never believed the gospel, if you never put your faith in Christ, do that today. Why don't you stand with me as musicians come. And as you stand, I ask that you would bow your heads and close your eyes. And with nobody looking around, I just want you to honestly... Evaluate, take stock of your spiritual life. Are you a follower of Christ? Not do you belong to this church or a different church? Not are you of a certain faith tradition? Not do you take communion or been confirmed or been baptized or any of those other things, those external things? Has there ever are, are you Trusting even today in Christ as your Savior.
do you recognize your sinfulness? Have you accepted his forgiveness? If not, even now, right where you are, pray to God, ask him to forgive you of your sins. Ask him to save you. I'd be more than happy to talk to you after the service. But listen, I can't save you. Only Jesus can do that. Jesus said, all who come to me, I'll in no wise cast out. Don't think that what you've done is too bad, too severe. It's been too long ago. There's forgiveness because of Jesus. Heavenly Father, thank you that thank you that you provided a way when we don't deserve a way. God, we thank you that Jesus rose from the dead and that he is not in the grave anymore, but he is living and he is alive forevermore and that all who would trust in him would have those sins forgiven, be made right with you, would get adopted into your family, would spend eternity with you in heaven. We thank you for that. And if there's somebody who has never accepted Christ as their Savior, I pray that today would be the day. And we ask that you move on each of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.